Good morning and welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network and on the NSN app as well. And I want to welcome to the show, I believe for the very first time, Avi Schick, a partner at Trout and Pepper, a former deputy attorney general of New York. He applies his experience in Bet the Company Matters, representing clients in criminal and civil investigations and enforcement actions before state and federal regulators, prosecutors, and enforcement agencies, meaning that Avi is the go-to guy if you want to fight or if you maybe if you want to get along with the government or sometimes if you don't want to get along with the government. And the case we're going to talk about tonight, Avi is representing uh, Agoda Sisral, Torah Masara, and Pearls, which is a coalition of yeshivas. And he's been doing that for some time in their, well, let's say discussions now, I guess it's, it might be a full-blown dispute with the New York State Education Department and their newly released proposals for regulation of private schools, including yeshivas, Catholic schools, etc. So obviously a very relevant topic for all of you out there listening in our listening audience. Avi, welcome to Spin Class. Thank you. Thanks. Glad to be here. Okay, so Avi, let's just jump right into things. I mean, this is an issue that has been going on for quite a few years. Uh, it began, well, some say it began with this organization called the Fed that started with complaints against the yeshivas. I don't want to give them too much credit uh, with regard to that, but for some reason, one guy can get a whole lot of attention if they're persistent enough and if the media wants to buy what they're selling. But let's just talk for a second about what's going on, and then we can maybe take a step backward and talk about a little bit of the history. What is going on right now uh, with regard to this issue? Sure. Um, a couple of weeks back, um, the State Education Department released proposed regulations of private schools. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the process for, for a second or two, and then we'll, we'll get into the substance. So this is, if this is a proposal, and what happens is that it goes out for public comment, which means the public gets to review it and um, inform the, uh, the State Education Department whether they uh, are in favor of them, whether they're against them, what the reasons are, so on and so forth. And then it goes to the Board of Regents for a vote to see if they're adopted. So they were released publicly um, about two weeks ago. The public comment period is supposed to run from uh, March 30 through May 30. And then it would come to the to the regions in the fall. So that, that's the process. The substance is that these are regulations that essentially would say you need some form of, of license, of curricular license, you know, from the state education department in order to operate. Um, and, and they would require regular periodic reviews of each private school by the uh, local school district. And so this is obviously troubling for, for, for those who, uh, who both um, value the independence of the, of the schools. There's a reason people send to a private school, whether it's a yeshiva or a Catholic school or, a, or an independent school. And uh, there's always a concern that government doesn't quite get it and is going to try to impose its will. Um, there are some off-ramps that are built into the proposal, which are commendable. Um, if you're a registered high school, which means you give the Regents exams, then your entire school from, you know, K to 12 would be exempt. So that works for, for, for yeshivas that uh, both give the Regents and more importantly, at K to 12 schools. 
it's not the norm everywhere. It's not the norm in, in Rockland County, even in Queens. Primarily, the schools are, 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 the elementary schools are separate for the most part from the high schools. So that's one off-ramp. There's another off-ramp uh, accreditation. If you're accredited by an agency that's approved by the state, um, the fact is that there are almost uh, no yeshivas that have such accreditation. It hasn't been an important part of, of, uh, of, of the way yeshivas operate. And so uh, while it's fairly common in parts of the private school sector, it's, it's not um, that common at all in our yeshivas. The, the sum total of this, having spoken to the various segments in the uh, private school community is that um, these local school board reviews will, will probably occur, you know, if not exclusively, then overwhelmingly in yeshivas. And that's, that's obviously another reason for concern. Okay, so I feel almost like we've been through this before, right? Once upon a time, they went forward with these types of regulations. There was 100,000, maybe 150,000 responses. People continued to send letters, emails, comments in to the Board of Regents, into the New York State Education Department. And not only that, additionally, I believe that you went to court on this issue before. So what tell, help us understand what is going on now vis-a-vis -vis what happened in the past on this issue. I mean, this is not something that's new. I mean, what are we, a decade old, eight years old, seven years old? I, I mean, how long have we been going back and forth on this? This is going on for a while. You're, you're exactly right, Michael. Um, and the, uh, this is the third attempt by the state education department to sort of impose its, its will and its way on the private school community in the last handful of years. Um, the first formal effort was um, a set of rules that were released um, in 2018 um, and uh, created quite the uproar across the uh, private school community. Um, and after attempts to try to uh, work with the uh, uh, SED, with the State Education Department to ameliorate the rules, um, after those, those uh, efforts went nowhere, um, a lawsuit was brought. Um, the yeshivas sued, a broad coalition of yeshivas sued. Uh, there was a suit by the Catholic school community and by the independent school community. They were all consolidated into a, a single, before a single judge. And thankfully we had great success. And by, uh, by mid-April 2019, just a, a day or so before Pesach, um, those, uh, those rules were, were tossed out. And so that was the first effort. Um, and then unfortunately, when those rules were tossed out, um, instead of the state education department engaging in some dialogue, uh, with us again, they just went right back to um, propose regulations, and they issued regulations in the in the summer of 2019. Um, they uh, had a comment period that ran from July 3rd to uh, September 2nd, timing it exquisitely if you want to minimize um, the ability of schools to and, and the school community to respond. But nevertheless, as you as you correctly noted, um, there was an overwhelming response. Um, an overwhelming negative response, and really an outpouring of anger and, and outrage um, from across the, uh, the yeshiva community and across the non-public school community. And, and, and ultimately, those uh, regulations that were proposed in the summer of 2019 were abandoned. Um, now, unfortunately, the, the state is back. And as I said, while there are a couple of off-ramps which are um, helpful and sort of a, uh, the beginning of what 
you know, might make something um, palatable. The uh, uh, the regulations they released would would really have an outsized impact on yeshivas and and in fact, you know, in other regards, move move backwards from the prior regulations. Okay, so can you highlight for the audience what might be some particularly offensive items within these regulations? I mean, what? I mean, why can't we just all just teach the three R's: reading, writing, and arithmetic, and be everybody be, be happy? We can all go home. Great, great question. Um, I, I th- so the uh, the first is that there's no, you know, th- there's no guarantee in our experience, unfortunately. Um, hasn't been good in this. There's really no guarantee that um, the state or not even the state, a local school district would really get what a yeshiva does, right? Um, our, our school day, our, the structure of our school day is really so much different um, than anything else. And you, you tell people that we start learning, you know, what we call general studies or secular studies, right? Whether it might be two or 2.30 in the afternoon, um, that right there, you know, looks, looks just so out of whack to them. And then, you know, they, they have no understanding of or appreciation for what goes on um, in our Limudi Kodesh. And, and I can tell you, I've been in meetings with senior government people over the years, and they really think that, you know, in, in, in Limudi Kodesh, in, in Jewish studies, right, it's chanting, it's, it's dogma, right? They have no appreciation for the, um, the, the deep, you know, academic value, the deep intellectual value that learning has. Obviously, you know, uh, the, the primary purpose in, in learning is because it's Torah and Torah Lishma, and it has a religious um, purpose, but the reality is it, 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 it's, it's real learning, and, and government doesn't get any of that. So that's the first reason to be concerned, and, and, and the second reason, Michael, is, um, you know, the three R's don't cut it. If you look at these regulations, and this was true of this, these proposed regulations, and this was true of the prior um, attempts by the state, they go well beyond, you know, what, what we would consider the core subjects, you know, math, English, social studies, and science. They require a whole host of, you know, at best you can call them peripheral topics, um, including the worthy use of leisure time, you know, counseling about, uh, you know, uh, marijuana, cocaine, and heroin use, um, the Irish potato famine. I'm not making this up. Uh, well, um, I, I've I've seen all this stuff as being different mandates throughout the, the state. Yeah, the Irish potato famine, the, the effect and purpose of the New York State Constitution. I can tell you, Michael, as someone who's practiced law um, in New York for um, uh, going on a quarter century now and who worked in the attorney general's office for eight years um, at a very senior level, I, I, I'd be shocked if, if one in 100 New York lawyers can talk to you coherently for 10 seconds about the effect and purpose of the New York State Constitution. Um, <laughs> and, the idea, and the idea that they're gonna judge our schools by whether they do this. And, and you, know, you mentioned earlier you know, efforts by, by, by those who, uh, who uh, have no affinity for orthodox life and orthodox education to challenge yeshivas. I can tell you that there's a, there's a pending action in Albany in which um, the, the lawyers, um, who are, who are challenging the yeshiva's curriculum focus entirely on these peripheral subjects. You know, they, they tell the judge, your honor, if they don't teach about the Irish potato famine, that alone means they're not substantially equivalent and are out of compliance. So, you know, for, 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 for yeshivas to, to be at risk of, of government regulators um, who are going to decide whether their curriculum is appropriate is just, is just unacceptable. And, uh, 
uh, you know, it's, it's, and as always, and you, you know that you, you worked in government, you know, you have one set of people who, who write the rules, you know, even if they're, even if they're well-intended, you know, in some ivory tower, you have a whole different set of people, right. Who don't even directly work for the, for, for those who write the rule, who have to interpret them and apply them. And so the idea that school districts, you know, from, from Long Island to Westchester, to Albany, you know, to New York city, um, to Rockland are each going to, you know, determine whether the uh, um, the yeshivas are are up to snuff is just a, a a really a really dangerous thing and and just a final point and again I'm sure this is something you can um, appreciate and add some color to um, giving you time in government right is that government like all bureaucracies only over time only tends to expand its authority right government never says you don't ah, say what we do is not necessary obviously right? sound like so, a Republican but they. Uh, um, <laughs> We can compromise on libertarian, but um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Government's always, government's always, government's always going to say, you know, government never says, you know, on second thought, what we're doing here is not necessary. Instead, right. they, they they just dig further. It's just the way it is. It's, it, again, I'm not suggesting that somebody today has this thought out nefarious plan. It's it's just what happens. You know, today they come and they say you need this license with a review every three years for this purpose, and 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 you know, down the road it, it just expands. Okay, we're talking to Avi Schick, a partner at Troutman's uh, Pepper Law Firm, who's representing various uh, Jewish institutions, yeshivas, Torah Masura, Goodness Israel of America, in a action against the New York State Education Department, or maybe not yet an action, but uh, sure. certainly a negotiation currently. Uh, but Avi, let me throw a couple uh, things or thoughts that I would have out there. Number one, where where's the religious freedom here? I mean, are, are, aren't we entitled to religious freedom in the Constitution? And OK, well, go ahead. Yes. So so a- a- absolutely. And it's, it's actually uh, it's even deeper than religious freedom. There's, of course, the First Amendment. Right. You know, the free exercise of religion. Um, but even even more fundamental than that is the the right of a parent to direct the education and upbringing of their children. And that's a right that has been, you know, recognized by the United States Supreme Court for, for almost a century now. Um, it, it arose in a, in a case out of Oregon in which um, the state, you know, challenged the uh, a parent's ability to, to, to send to a non-public school. And, and, and the court, you know, very easily said to the state, no, 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 um, you don't, uh, you don't get to control things. The parents have superior rights to the state. Um, so, so this tramples on both, you know, religious rights and parental rights. Okay, second thought, the Felder Amendment, right? A couple of years ago, State Senator Simcha Felder was a pivotal vote with regard to the state budget and talked to, wanted the yeshivas to get credit for the Limude Kodesh, for the for the Hebrew, well, sorry, for the religious subjects that they have. And of course, now that it should be part, or at least I thought it was part of New York state law having passed. So what happened to that? They just threw that out? Well, no, they didn't, they didn't throw it out. Um, the, um, uh, a couple of things, the, uh, the, um, whether one is a, uh, what we call a Felder school or not, you know, becomes a, a question of, of interpretation by, by the state or the city um, or, or whatever local school district it is and, and, and turns on, you know, how they define bilingual program. I mean, that's sort of the technical, you know, aspect of it. But, but the reality is that the way the Felder um, Amendment has been interpreted by government 
is that um, whatever discussion it had about uh, Limude Kodesh was in addition to every other requirement. In other words, it didn't, it didn't really you know, change anything. It just said, okay, do everything else that everybody else does. And then you can also talk to us about, about what goes on in the, uh, in the morning. Um, and, and, and just one final point, again, the, the other thing is that there was supposed to be with uh, the Felder Amendment, the, the thought was that the, uh, the determinations, the reviews would be conducted by the state, you know, so a single central authority. And what's happened in practice is the state takes the position that they can delegate that to a local school district um, as long as, you know, at the end of the day, the local school district um, sort of um, characterizes its, uh, its determination as a recommendation to the, to the commissioner. So, you know, everything's exactly the same, but the piece of paper says recommendation and not um, determination. So, so for all those reasons, it, it has not, you know, uh, created the change that people thought and hoped that it would. Okay, so why don't you sound the alarm a little bit? Because I don't feel the, I mean, I feel, yes, this is bad, but I feel like we beat this back, meaning we as a community, you as an attorney, the other organizations, we beat this back already, we'll beat it back again, right? I mean, should people really be concerned? <laughs> Excuse me. And if they send their kids to schools, let's say that have regions already, okay, big deal. It doesn't bother them, right? They're, they're, they're good. They're in, they're in the shade. So why do people need to be energized about this? I mean, I understand it because I, I feel that this is an incredible infringement on public on non-public schools in general, which the state is always trying to do. But why should your average person sitting at home listening to this saying, hey, here's just a lawyer representing another interest group? Uh, well, sure. I mean, the uh, the reality is that this is a. Um, you know, it's, it's a scary thing, given that it, it involves, you know, the entire yeshiva system. It, it, uh, it, it, goes, it goes even further than, uh, than I mentioned, just because it, it, it actually, it actually um, empowers the kind of groups that we were talking about earlier to, uh, to, to bring legal actions to challenge the determination. It's an incredible thing, Michael. Um, we're all familiar if you're lawyers with standing, right? You know, you, you, you can't, you can't, you know, just show up in a lawsuit between, um, you know, your, your two neighbors and say, I want to inject my opinion, right? You, you don't have standing. You're not impacted by this. And uh, what, what these regulations do is they say any person who considers themselves aggrieved can, um, can bring a challenge. And so even if you are found to be appropriate, you know, the, the professional anti-Orthodox agitators can... Um, can, can, can show up and, and cause problems. But the other thing to understand here is, as I mentioned uh, you know, at, at the outset, the, uh, the various groups that were part of the coalition initially, the independent schools, the, the, the Catholic schools and so forth, they have, you know, uh, they're all gonna be um, eligible to, uh, to employ one of these uh, off ramps. And, and the yeshivas won't, and, and therefore they're, they're less, they're, they're likely going to be less engaged or less invested in a, in a battle here. They care about their independence. They're not gonna like these rules, but to the extent they're mostly gonna be exempt and there aren't organizations whose sole purpose is to, is to, um, is to undermine them, they're not likely to, uh, to get that invested. So, so we're gonna be fighting, you know, I don't wanna say alone, but we're not gonna be fighting with the same breadth of coalition. And, and, and these rules go further 
than the prior ones did in terms of formalizing the notion that people who, who are not parents in the school, people who are not graduates of the school, people who never studied in the school, they now have standing to file complaints and to try to undo the, uh, um, the ability of yeshiva to operate. It's a scary thing. Well, it certainly sounds that way. I'm going to throw one last question at you because uh, I, I really appreciate your time, mindful of any attorney's time. Uh, so I want to just get an opinion question since you mentioned opinions. Uh, why do you believe in, in the several years that you've been engaged on this issue, it's actually quite a few years at this point, that this has become, this specific issue with the yeshivas and the education has become such a cause celeb amongst the progressive left. To, to the point is that if you read mo most of the opinions about the new regulations, you'd actually find that most of the commentators are saying the New York State Education Department did not go far enough with these. It, it, it's, it's a, you know, the, I think religion generally, and religious Jews, um, perhaps in particular, um, seem to uh, to be very high on the on the agenda. Our way of life, our you know, our desire to be you know a part of society in many ways, and yet apart from it in other ways, seems to get under people's skin. And uh, and and you're right there. You know, maybe they want to. Maybe they think they're going to fix us. They're going to fix the Jews who, who, who they believe need fixing. But whatever reason, there's an inordinate attention that's paid to this. Um, trust me, um, none of them are um, looking at the performance of the local public schools to whom yeshivas are, are being compared in these um, reviews, right? It's, it's questions whether they're substantially equivalent to local public schools. Um, no one who uh, who's uh, made a, a living and a life of criticizing yeshivas um, has seemed to spend any energy um, worrying about the public school kids who are not getting the education that would really help them advance in life. Yeah, I got to imagine there would be lots of allegations of racism if that would be coming uh, coming down. So uh, Avi Shik, a partner in Troutman Pepper, who is representing Go to Yisrael of America, Torah Masora, Pearls, a coalition of yeshivas uh, to uh, I don't know. Are you? Are, is it fair to say you're adverse to to the New York State Education Department right now? I mean, I, I don't know the proper terminology. We, we, but... just to, I was going to say, if I can say the last word, it's, sure. it's this: to the to, 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 to those listening, to those you know in the community of yeshiva parents and graduates and uh, grandparents and the like, it's that you know we should use this time to get educated um, about these proposed regulations and to make our voices heard. Um, whether or not, I, you know, it, it's way premature to talk about legal actions. You know, there won't be a, a vote to adopt these um, or not for, for six months. And so the point is not to say, oh, we have lawyers or, you know, we, we will be protected by the courts. That's always, you know, that, that, that's a last resort, not a first resort. You know, if we become educated about these, if we make our voices heard, if we um, contact our legislators of all sorts, you know, you have a city legislature, you have a county legislator, obviously the uh, those in the state, assembly people, state senators, um, and, and higher. Um, if we make our voices heard, if we explain why this is unfair, why it's unreasonable, why it's irresponsible, uh, then we won't have to talk about legal actions and whether we're, you know, uh, 
uh, adverse in a legal sense. Right now, we're in a conversation. We're not happy where the conversation stands. And, uh, you know, the voices of, the, of, of those who are at the table, so to speak, are, are, are not enough. And if it's magnified by the voices of all those in the communities that will be impacted, um, we'll, we'll stand a much greater chance of success. Okay, there is still time for politics and advocacy, or Stadlanus, if you will. So thank you so much for joining us, Avi. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back as hopefully we have better news with regard to this specific issue. People get involved, know what's going on. It's critical, critical for our community. Thank you. Thank you. And this is Spin Class, and can't let this show go by without discussing, even for a minute, the bombshell falling out between Representative Mo Brooks of Alabama, a Senate, U.S. Senate hopeful, and former President Trump that all went down today. Um, and just, uh, wow. Well, first of all, Brooks, one of the most MAGA, uh, members of Congress out there, a Trump loyalist, uh, the guy who went to the January 6th rally and said, let's take names and start kicking bleep. I think he wore body armor as well. And he was, you know, in a tough race, for the primary, for the United States Senate primary in Alabama uh, against uh, two other two others. But Brooks had the Trump endorsement but wasn't doing much with them, essentially in third place. And I guess uh, President Trump did not want to have his endorsement be a loser, um, which might happen in other states with the Senate right now. Missouri and North Carolina come to mind. But anyway, that's not really where the fireworks start. So – Trump rescinds his endorsement, pulls it this way. He says that Brooks has gone woke. Uh, I think it was use of the word woke, but equating woke with the idea that voters need to move on or will move on from the 2020 election. People want to stop talking about 2020. They want to talk about 2022 and 2024. And I think most Republicans also want to stop talking about 2020. They want to talk about what's going forward because things look pretty good if you're a Republican right now for the midterms. And it really is not, doesn't seem to be worth it to dwell on what may or may not have happened back in 2020. But President Trump doesn't want that. He wants to talk about still what happened in 2020, even though, you know, we're getting on to almost two years later. Anyway, he pulls the endorsement from Brooks and Brooks unloads on him in on the record today to various news organizations, essentially saying that President Trump asked him to find a way to rescind, I guess not decertify, but rescind Joe Biden's election. Now, the funny thing is you hear this from time to time from various people who say, I mean, who have said, uh, you know, people that I know who believe very strongly that President Trump will be returned to office any at any moment, that somehow the votes in Wisconsin are going to be decertified and the votes in Arizona are going to be decertified and the votes in Georgia are going to be decertified and the whole electoral college will therefore be thrown into doubt and we will undo the results of the 2020 election and somehow that will mean that uh, Trump will still be president. I'm not sure exactly how that happens. I don't see, I don't know of any mechanism for that to happen. And it just seems that 
Republicans should play their hand to move forward and look at what's going to be or like should be, at least on paper, a very good Republican year. Play the hand that you're dealt, if you will. But apparently Trump asked uh, Mo Brooks over the last couple months to try and rescind. Now, which is funny because Brooks, of course, is in the the minority. He's not even really a senior member of the Republican Party in the House. So it's kind of unclear what the strategy would be or what the mechanism would be by which Mo Brooks would have enacted what President Trump was looking for from him. So that is just one of those things that, you know, only in Washington or only in this kind of crazy political world could we come up with this kind of story. Uh, Number two, I just have to say, is the lieutenant governor of the state of New York, Brian Benjamin, uh, a – well, I think he probably could be called woke himself. Uh, and there is a amazing video of him walking through the halls of Albany being asked by reporters whether how he feels about bail reform and the governor's uh, – Governor Hochul's effort to make changes to bail reform legislation, which went over like a lead balloon in many quarters of the progressive caucus in Albany, of which Senator Brian Benjamin used to be. I mean this was a guy who supported defunding the police, who just – on the record, who obviously supported the bail reform legislation, let the criminals out of jail, revolving door, etc. And Benjamin just will not talk to the press. Finally, some reporters are on video saying, don't you think it's your job, essentially, to talk to us? I mean, are you just going to ignore us? Aren't we entitled to have our questions answered? And the elevator door closed, and they just all start laughing, as if it was some kind of practical joke. But I guess it's not. It's very serious. When elected officials feel that they are so above things that they cannot or will not even respond to the most basic questions about pressing public policy needs, it's shameful. It's terrible. It tells you a lot about this administration, what's going on in some quarters of the state of New York. They don't want any transparency. They don't want you to know what's going on. They don't want you to know that they are hostage to those who side with the criminals and not with the regular people. And that's it for this week here on Spin Class, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph. See you next week.